DJ PK, it's time to bring in Riley Jensen for his weekly visit. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah being a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of the Save Now Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Riley, good morning. What's up, you sorry dudes? Need you to look into the future. We got... The Utes, the Cougars, the Aggies, all either 4-2 and two or 5-2. and two. They have all suffered back-to-back losses. They've all had impressive wins. You believe in any one or possibly more than one of these teams to, to win out and be 10-2 and two through 12 games, which is that's a great record. That's a great season. And for the Aggies and for the Utes, it would put them in their conference title games. Is anybody capable of that, or are they probably going to drop another disappointing game or two down the stretch here? Well, it's, uh, that, that's a that's a really nuanced question, and I, and I think if, if if I knew that, I'd probably go to Vegas and put some skittles on some things. But um, I think I think right now, if I was looking at the momentum of of those three teams that you're talking about, if there was any team that could do it right now, I feel like it's the University of Utah. I feel like I feel like they're back on track. Especially with the front seven, both offensively and defensively, I feel like they really kind of got back to University of Utah football. And then I think Cam Rising, uh, you know, with the exception of that that first half last game, he's just gotten better and better um, during the year. And I, I I think there's good things to come for the Utes. Um, I'm hopeful for Utah State right now that they're going to be able to. Uh, <laughs> continue to be the cardiac kids, I guess, and make Utah State fans worried every single game, whether it's UNLV or whether it's Air Force or whether it's Boise State, and then and then come back hard in the second half to win. And then BYU, they've just they've really got to get uh, some of those guys back on the offensive line. They've got to get back to their identity that was kind of out Utahing Utah at the first of the year, where they don't turn the ball over, where they're where they're dominating on the offensive and the defensive line, but but right now, that feels like a stretch. That feels far away because Baylor absolutely ran all over them and they weren't able to run the ball like they've been able to against Baylor. But I do think Baylor's the best team they've played. So, man, it's, 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 it's a whole smorgasbord of thoughts and, and, and if this, then that. As far as the Utes go, for the psychological aspect of their team and thinking that they're really good and have a lot of confidence going forward, would you rather have them blown out the Sun Devils like they did in the second half or have that game be the way it was and so you're down by two scores so then you blow them out in the second half and the reason why I would say that maybe you would want that is because if you get down at some point you're not going to blow out the rest of your opponents but when you get down at some point you know that you can come back because you already did it. Yeah, I think uh, look, look, confidence isn't a static state, right? It's, it's fleeting. It's, it's almost like our feelings or like our thoughts. Like it comes into our mind and it can go away in an instant. So in some ways, confidence is a little bit overrated. You've got to be able to know that you can compete with your B and your C and your D game and still win. And so that's what I like about the win for the University of Utah. I don't, I don't feel like that was a perfect game. I don't feel like it was, you know, the, the, most, the, the best that they've ever played, but it certainly was in the second half, and it was very telling that they were able to come back. And you, and you do want your team to know that, hey, 
even if you're not playing well in the first quarter, the second quarter, it's not too late to come back and to play really, really good football. So, yeah, I think it's a confidence boost. I think, I think what you have to know when when you're when you're trying to form yourself into a good football team is that there's going to be ugly wins. There's going to be days where you don't play as well as you thought you would. Not everything comes together, and and you have to be proud of the fact that you can win ugly. And I think that I think that bodes well for the University of Utah. Oregon State's four and two, leading the conference in rushing. How much confidence do you have in the Utes for, in this game this week on the road? Well, it's an interesting place to play. I've been I've been up there to Corvallis before. Um, there's been there's been some some times in Oregon State's history where they've been able to upset really really good teams, and I and I still feel like if if Oregon State were to beat the University of Utah, that that would be an upset. Um, I feel like the run defense for the University of Utah, I mean, you hope that it's shored up. It, it certainly seems a lot better than what it has been. And if they can if they can take away the run, I mean, this is typical Kyle Whittingham football, right? If they can take away the run game, they can play solid in special teams and then put together enough points to win, then I think they can win on the road. The, the, the thing that worries me about, you know, road trips is not necessarily the crowd. It's not necessarily like the fanfare, like how many how many people are in the seats and, and that kind of stuff. It's more about like how does your schedule go up there and are you able to replicate the schedule up there like you do at home and can you sleep on a bed that's maybe not as comfortable as normal and can you can you deal with the distractions of being on the road a little bit differently than at home? And so, you know, it takes it takes a mature bunch. And right now, I feel like University of Utah is really maturing into themselves. You can see that these guys are much more close knit. Um, you know, unfortunately, because of a tragedy on the team, but they're they're definitely playing for each other right now. How much of the fact do you think that the Pac-12 is just crazy week to week? can bring more into focus because there's no reason to think the Utes have got this because last week the Sun Devils had it, and before that the Bruins had it, and now it's the Utes' turn. So with that in mind, uh, man, you cannot take anything for granted here because you think you have it, but you really don't. Well, I think it's, I think it's great motivation for a coach, right? Like I'm sure, and I'm sure you've talked to him because I know you guys are tight. Best buds. <laughs> Coach Whittingham, I'm sure, is using this as motivation, right? Like, hey, just because we're now in the front seat, this is what happened to UCLA. This is what happened, you know, and Oregon fell backwards, and Stanford had a chance, and Arizona State had a chance. It it is nice to be able to motivate your guys because, number one, you need to make sure your team shows up every week. And number two, you don't know which team's going to show up in the Pac-12 because you might get a Stanford team, you might get an Oregon State team to play some of their best football this weekend, right? And and maybe that was something that you weren't ready for, you hadn't seen on film yet. So, yeah, I think it's great motivation. Coaches love to use that kind of stuff. They love they love to use that kind of, you know, push that kind of button to help motivate these guys to keep them focused and to keep them concentrated on, on this game here this week. So Washington State's got possibly the distraction to end all distractions. The coach and four assistants getting fired mid-season. They're four and three. You already brought up the the Cougars' problem stopping the run and running the ball. How much faith do you have in BYU at Wazoo? 
Well, I think, I mean, I, they really haven't used at Washington State. And I don't, you know, it's 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 such a mess up there. I, I can't even imagine like really being able to focus um, as a Washington State team. However, sometimes this can galvanize a team and just say, "Hey, all we got is us. Like all we have is us guys in this room. We can't we can't count on who's going to be our coach. We can't count on anything else. So we're going to play for each other." But if, I, if I'm looking at it, you know, they, they haven't really used Max Borgie the way that I would think that they would use him. There's been a couple of games this year where he only gets six carries, and he's supposed to be a guy that can really do some, some you know, some really good things, like Christian McCaffrey type stuff. And I don't think they use the run game well enough up there. They've got a variation of the run and shoot. I think it, I think it bodes well for uh, BYU this week to get back on track. I think Utah State was able to run the ball on Washington State at certain points during the game, and I think BYU's running game is better than Utah State's right now. And so I think I think BYU gets back on track. I think this is a, a chance for them to get healthy and to feel some confidence again. And I think you know I think Jaron Hall's just going to get better. I think I think this team, yeah, they have a, they've had a couple of games where they've been humbled a little bit, but that will get your attention as a player. Because you don't want to continue to slide. How about the fact that the Washington State Cougars have won three games in a row? Can they overcome this situation and not worry about on the sidelines, worry about what's going on on the field? Well, well, you hope so. If you're a Washington State team, I mean, there was some momentum going there. I think, I think uh, they were they were feeling good. I mean, they obviously with the Utah State loss, that didn't feel good at the first of the year. They seem to be focused and concentrated on some things. Some of the distractions were at a minimum, but man, I this this is a big deal, and this is this is something that's going to be continued to be asked to these players, to these to to the to the temporary coaches and the interim coaches. This, this is something that's going to be a distraction for the rest of the year. This first week being in it, everybody's asking questions, everybody's texting guys, everybody's trying to figure out what's going on. And I think it's just hard to focus on your opponent at that point. I mean, they are at home. Hopefully, hopefully they can play some good football. But man, I just I feel like BYU. This is a real good chance for them to get back on track and and do what they need to do to get their season uh, some momentum going back for their season. I don't know what was more surprising: their inability to stop the run or their inability to run the ball. How much do you think the running the ball is? offensive line injuries. I know Kalani's talked about depth, and they certainly have it at some positions. I think it's not debatable. They have it at some positions, but do they have enough of it on the O-line? Well, I do think that they have depth. I think I think the, the thing that's always interesting about offensive line, and, and you know, there's when, when you watch a college football game, and I always think this is interesting, you have defensive linemen where it's like wholesale changes. You'll have three and four defensive linemen running into the game and three or four offensive linemen running out. You never see that with offensive lines. So the question is why? The reason why to me is because that group, more than any group, has to really play together. Like They have to function together. They have to be able to know what the one is going to do and what the other one's going to do. And if you mess around too much, and the University of Utah – at the first of the year was trying to find the best combination, and so they were moving a lot of guys around, and now that's settled down a little bit. I think you've seen their offensive line playing well. And now, with with a few different injuries, it would be nice to get those guys back because you get that continuity, but 
The other thing is these guys that have been in that maybe hadn't played with these guys as much can now form some continuity if those guys aren't back and ready to play that I think will bode well for, for the offensive line. But that is a unit that is it's just super important that they're communicating and that they're all on the same page. It's really hard to run the ball well if all five guys, these guys up front, aren't, aren't blocking in unison. Does this concern you that the Aggies needed right down the end to beat a winless team in Vegas? <laughs> no, no. And I'll tell you why. Because Thank everything, you. everything that Utah State has done this year is gravy right now to me. I, I don't gravy? Think yeah. Gravy? I, I think that this Red team, gravy or brown gravy? Brown no. gravy. Come on. <laughs> Mash. Good gravy. Come on, man. <laughs> nice. So... Here's the deal, and, and, and DJ, I think we talked about this on Sunday night. If, if Utah State, before the season had started, you had told us that they won 28-24 at UNLV, we would have been like, awesome. I mean, we thought they were going to get two, three wins on the season anyway. So, look, they've had a win over Washington State. They, they've, they've played a really, really good season so far. So to win 28-24 is probably what most of us had kind of hoped for or expected before the season started. This team, in my opinion, for not having a lot of depth, you know, if you're talking about depth, uh, they've done a really, really good job of just plug and play with some guys. I mean, they're fifth in the nation in passing right now. They, they run the ball semi-effectively um, based on what's going on. The offensive line has done as good a job as you can hope. And I think if you're a Utah State fan, you feel really, really good about about their prospects, and I think they have a chance to beat Colorado State. Now, Colorado State has a really, really – they have the opposite of what you would think from a defense. They have a really good pass defense and not as good of a run defense. So if Utah State can establish the run early in this game and then continue to pass the ball at, at close to the clip that they've been doing, I, I mean, I feel good about their chances, and they ought to feel really good about where they're at right now. Oh, wait, wait a second. Sunday night, so the – Riley's replaced me. Not exactly, but we can go into that later. <laughs> I mean, I mean, suck. Look, you're you're elite. You're always going to be the guy, but from time to time, they got to bring in the righty pro. Yeah, but I got fired, and now I'm finding out Riley Jensen and the crew apparently yes. has replaced me. The college football no. panel came in. Due to technical difficulties, and uh, we, we had very, very different-looking show. Yeah, well, none of them included me, so what the hell's the difference? Well, you know why that is, but go ahead and play dumb on the air. That's I you. got fired! Fongul! <laughs> <laughs> so, Riley, you're saying it's all gravy this year because the expectations were so low for the Aggies. Which is crap, because if they don't go to a bowl game, it's still gravy. There's that. It's poo-poo. Yeah, if... What's your problem? You, well, you yeah. said the rest uh, of the season is gravy. Did he just say that, DJ? You're, you're absolutely going to a bowl Sunday game. Sunday night. You're going to a bowl game. Calm down, everybody. You're going to you're going to a bowl game. You got two wins on that schedule for sure. You got more than that. If Utah State beats CSU this week, they are firmly in the driver's seat in the division. So whatever your expectations were in August, if they win this week. When we talk to you next week, you got to be thinking division title or bust. Am I right? Yeah. Now, now my expectations completely change. Oh, no brother! Longer gravy. 
now now we got now we got to move. The meat, right? what's it? Meat and potatoes now. <laughs> now slathered in gravy, meat, potatoes, and I want dessert. Okay, <laughs> I want dessert. I think it's already there. I think the gravy analogy is ridiculous, man. You've come this far to not stop. You've got to go beyond. And if you don't have an excellent season now, it's a disappointment. You've established a new standard. But Blake Anderson has. To, like, look, look. This is all. This is all exciting. Everything that happens going forward is is great stuff for Utah State. They go to a bowl game, great. They get in the driver's seat for winning the division, great. It's all. Can't you see? No, icing on the cake. Can't no, it's not icing on the cake. The These are the new expectations. You're making it sound like anything going forward is nothing it's but a bonus. Year. It's the first year for the head coach. Did you expect Utah State to play this well, PK? Did you? But they have. So, yes, I, I agree know. with you. Now that they have, and I don't want to hear it's the first year. When you bring in 14 Division One transfers, the idea of that's the first year, that's Every old school thinking. That. Every team does that. Why, why is that any different than any other team? Every team has Because this team started with big wins. And as an experienced quarterback who knows what the heck he's doing, obviously, and they've got a defender that's already been conference player of the year. So, no. I'm totally convinced. You're right. I, I was totally wrong. You're right. I got high expectations. If they don't win the Mountain West uh, Conference, I'm pissed. Didn't say that. Oh. I went too far? Yes, See, because you got San Diego State and Nevada over there, and they're really good ball clubs, and I don't think they're better than uh, either of those two teams. So I'm not talking about conference title. Game, you're talking about championship game or bust. No, I'm not. Oh, well, then what you're saying is bowl game, and we're going. No, no, game. no. But six and six is bowl game. If they went six and six, that would be a disappointment. Agreed. I'm with PK on this. 100. percent No reservations. 100. percent You got New Mexico and New Mexico State on the schedule. I think Utah State is much, much better than those two clubs. I pencil them as wins. That's six wins. That's bowl eligible. So if you're 6-6, six and six, that means you lost to CSU and Hawaii. You lost to San Jose State, and you came home and lost to Wyoming. And that would be really disappointing. So, but you could go 8-4 and four and lose a couple of well-played games, and maybe CSU really gets it going late in the season, and they're the team. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you didn't get to the conference title game, but you went eight and four. You had a good year. I'm with you. Where I'm with you is it is year one. I don't expect everything out of him, but they did bring in a bunch of talented transfers, and they have shook off a list of things that went wrong last year. So yeah, yeah. I want to see. I want to see at least eight and four. And and if you beat CSU, you've already beaten Air Force. You'd be a game up with the tiebreaker on the second and third place teams. Hey, guys, I know what you're doing here. You're trying to make me the bad guy. I'm an Aggie. I'm pumped about this. I see what you're doing. I see how you're doing this. This makes you guys look good. And, you know, if you got to do that, that's great. But 8-4, and 6-6, playing the Mountain West Conference Championship game, these are all good things for Utah State. They're all good things for Utah State. Agreed. But I've already already counted 6-6 and and put that A in the barn. I'm taking them for granted, playing them three at a time. So eight and four or bust. That's what you're talking. Uh, not or bust, but I think it's realistic. <laughs> I think it, all confident until I get to the details. Eight, no, I, details eight and four is good. 
Yeah, I, I can see what I see where you go. All that leaves is seven and five, Riley, and I think seven and five would be disappointing at this point, also. But I have to see the complexion of those games. I'll give you that, but it's still probably disappointing. I think it's oh, much so you more are likely eight and four and bust. Much more likely, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. So you're saying eight and four? And bust. The Aggies are the Aggies are good. Well, you don't they want just nine went, and three because the bust, it's not going to be a bust. What it's going to be is Blake Anderson getting out of town. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just life in the Mountain West. If you win a lot, you're going to lose your coach. Dude, with, with the exception of a few local teams, I mean, that's pretty much life everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I, listen, Kyle Whittingham, Kalani Sataki, Bronco, those are exceptions to the rule. Those aren't the rule. I mean, yeah, anywhere Bronco you go, left. I mean, you can't even get consistency at USC right now. So, I mean, you never know. You never know. what You want a coach that's there to do a good job, and I think Coach Blake Anderson is doing a great job. Right, and that's why, because I believe in him more than you do, and I'm not saying 6-6. Six and six. Your lack of faith in Blake Anderson, to me, is appalling. You know what? I'm with PK again. Yeah, and I'm shocked and disappointed in you. You know, earlier, Riley, I wasn't trying to make you the bad guy, but now I yeah. definitely yeah, am. Yeah, you're awful. I am. Yeah, you're an yeah. awful Aggie. You're double A. You're horrible. I think they should ban you from the stadium. I don't this trust you. So, this is so awesome. Yeah. This, is just, this is just why I call you guys sorry dudes when I log in. There you in. go. All right. Yeah, that's why. How about, how about this, Riley? The first half of the Utah State schedule was way tougher than the second half, and they went 4-2 and two in the first half. They ought to go four and two in the back half. Yeah, I mean, I, listen. Oh, good. You're with me on eight and four, then. Sweet. I would love it if they were eight and four, but I'm not disappointed if they're not eight and four. This has been a great season. It's their first win over a Pac-12 team since like 1972, before I was born. I mean, come on. It's this is a good season. There it's are in so the process of a good season. It's not complete yet. Okay. Okay, Kobe. How can you can't smile? Well, the job isn't finished. Job because isn't I haven't finished. achieved anything yet. <laughs> I've been doing this radio 20 years, and I still don't think I've achieved anything. Well, Wait till I'm you hear optimist. me tomorrow. I'm an optimist. Things are going well. They're going to a bowl game, and there, and there could be even more. There could be even more. That is true. So. All right, Riley. We'll leave yeah. you alone now. Yeah. You, you sorry, fun. dude. Wow, I had to clear my throat this morning. I had to start yelling at people. Now, now I got to call <laughs> no, myself. No, you're just talking passionately. It's not yelling. He's yelling. What did yell? <laughs> I moved to this state and yelling. It's like yes, it's like it's the eleventh commandment: Thou shall not yell. That's true. That's, it, it's absolutely true. Screw that! And I didn't even come from Jersey. I came from California. Listen, I'm not yelling. I'm it's, not yelling. <laughs> it's a new set of rules. Honey, <laughs> quit telling me I'm yelling. <laughs> Oh, you're fine. You're yelling. So what? Why is that such a bad thing? <laughs> I'm just trying to be heard over the wind on the far sideline. Yeah. I just talk loud, honey. <laughs> I just talk loud. Yeah, exactly. I, I love you dearly. Come on. I play quarterback. Yeah. I talk loud. Right. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Riley. See you guys. All right. Now, having said that about Utah State, wouldn't you say the same thing about Utah and BYU? Where everybody's sitting? Well, eight wins. I think these teams are good enough. I've looked at their schedules going forward. Utah State's not the only team that I think has a couple wins sitting out there. Utah does. That would beat Arizona. Yeah, that would beat Colorado. See, I, I think the principle here, rather than the individual season check this game, that game, is you have to demand and expect greatness of yourself in order to be great. Does anybody stumble into greatness 
Is that possible? Don't you have to? One of the we were talking yesterday of one of the my my greatness in radio, and it's astounding. We could take up months, obviously. We're talking about great calls, and I called Cam Rising before the coaches even knew that he should have been starting. And one of the things I said with Rudy Gobert when I spent 10 minutes with him his rookie year is you have to have that internal drive for greatness in order to get greatness. Yes. And so the Aggies, and we just use them as the example, they've established a boundary now of quality football. Yep. But they ain't even close to done. They have to expect six more games they've got. Yep. And seven, well, maybe six, eight. Right. Six regular season yeah. games, Conference Island Bowl sitting out there beyond that. But six games that are scheduled that we know the and opponent. They have to, and you don't want to get ahead of yourself, but they have to walk into each of those games thinking, absolutely, man, we got Rice, we got Bonner, we got, uh, what's the kid, Devin uh, Tompkins. Tompkins. Devin They've Tompkins. got Scarver can return kickoffs with the best of them. We got Blake Anderson. This guy's a proven winner. I've been to Jonesboro, Arkansas. I've been to the mall. And if you can win there, you can win anywhere. It's New York City. You, no, Sinatra but sings if you about win Jonesboro. There, yeah, I was going to say you can win in Logan. He didn't come to Logan to win a few games and then, well, we've already established ourselves. No, are you kidding me? The guy has a perpetual hoarse voice, right? Because he yells to be heard on the far sideline. Well, because he's coaching. Yeah. And he's bringing passion to there. There's a reason why Hartwell hired him, and right now it looks like a great hire. So you have to demand and expect greatness in order to achieve it. And if these teams, any of these three teams, think they've accomplished anything, they're sadly mistaken. We'll be saying that after game game ten. You know, you you can you can be ten deep sitting on eight and two, but the difference between a ten and two season and an eight and four season is huge. Well, if, if the Utes are eight and ten or the eight and two, then at worst they're nine and God, three. because where Colorado sits on their schedule, yeah. and and BYU is going to win their next to last game as well. Their last one at USC, okay, but that goes back to your point about where some teams sit on the schedule, and it's bigger than that. Have a great year. You're on your way. In all three cases, it's on the table. DJ and PK, when we come back, we're giving away tickets to the Jazz opener tonight with the Thunder. And Barry Trammell joins us next from the Oklahoma and NewsOK.com as the Thunder get ready to play the Jazz. The New Zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the Zone welcomes Unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 7. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK, it is time to give away tickets to see the Utah Jazz in the season opener with the Oklahoma City Thunder. we got tickets for you every hour, 35 minutes after the hour. Every hour from right now. Last pair will be given away at 5.35. Game tips off tonight at 7 o'clock. Be caller 12 right now. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Claim your two tickets to the season opener. If you don't win now, we'll try again at 9.35. Time to bring in Barry Trammell, sports columnist for the Oklahoman 
and NewsOK.com. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of the Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best Estate Award winner Smart Rain at SmartRain.net. Barry, good morning. How's things in Salt Lake? Well, they're good, and I think we just want to thank you now. You've put in the work, you put in your time, you said it again and again, and you finally spoke it into existence. BYU is in the Big 12, and I think you deserve most of the credit. Well, it was a long and winding road, <laughs> but we made it. And so uh, I'm fired up. I'm looking forward to my first trip to Provo. I've never been to Provo, so um, it, uh, you know, it's a chance, a chance um good chance either OU or OSU will be playing out there in 23. Um, probably the Sooners. That probably that, that might be the last year for Oklahoma and Texas. They'll probably load up the schedule against them, so that'd be a good that'd be a good reward. Make them go, both go play in Pro Bowl. That'd, yeah. be, uh, that'd be the way to work it. So, uh, I'm very happy for the Cougars. I've been pulling for them all year. Man, a couple of uh, unfortunate losses here, but uh, you know, that's, uh, I think they're going to do great in the, big, in the Big 12. I actually think the Big 12 did okay for themselves, losing their premier programs and all that stuff. But the ones that they brought in seem to be really, really solid. And uh, you know, I don't think that uh, it's any much worse, if at all, than the Pac-12. And that's what we do over here in our part of the country, is everything is compared to the Pac-12. And so even with Texas and Oklahoma out, because as you documented many times over, Texas has been nothing for a good long time now. Oklahoma's been on top of the world for sure from the Big 12 perspective. But so you're really, as far as a power, you're only losing Oklahoma. <clears throat> and these other programs that they're bringing in, right now anyway, are all solid, legitimate programs. So I think it, right, it ranks equally with the Pac-12. And I'm a Pac-12 graduate, so I'm a little bit of a Pac-12 homer. But I think I can say that and have some accuracy, uh, my thought for you is I would think that the Big 12 remaining uh, eight institutions are fired up thinking that they, the conference, at least from the football perspective, is pretty good. And then basketball, it's unquestionably good. Yeah, it's from a, from a competitive standpoint and from a national status standpoint, I think you're right. I think um, football-wise, you know, the Big 12 really had sort of solidified itself here in the last four or five years as the number three conference. I mean, well behind the SEC, well behind the Big 10. But the Pac-12 has struggled. The ACC is really Clemson and not much else. People don't even know which teams are in which division and don't care. And um, when, when you lose Oklahoma and Texas, a lot of talk about, uh, they're not even going to be power five. Well, instead, they add these four, particularly BYU, Cincinnati, and Central Florida, and they really don't lose that standing or that status, um, particularly with Clemson's unfortunate you know, fall this year. So I agree. The one thing it's going to take a hit, and this probably doesn't affect Brigham Young or the newcomers, but... It's going to be a financial hit for the for the Big 12 remnants because whatever the new contract looks like, it's not going to be as lucrative as it was with Oklahoma and Texas in the mix. 
So they're going to have to readjust, figure out ways to to sub- supplement that money that they're losing, find new revenue streams, those kinds of things. So financially, it's going to be a it's going to be a headache. It's going to be a it's going to be a burden. But I think competitively and and branding wise, I think they're actually going to be they're going to be okay. Which was not the case. Here's what's funny. Remember. The first few days, weeks after OU and Texas were leaving, when there's a lot of talk about the Big 12 is going to slip, the Big 12 might get absorbed into the American, um, you know, that kind of talk. Well, I mean, the American just added Charlotte and Rice and Florida Atlantic. So how about we not talk about the American anymore? (laughs) Uh, uh, So, you know, the Big 12's in pretty good shape, and the basketball is fantastic. Um, you know, Oklahoma and Texas, really good basketball schools, but not really in the top three or four in terms of success and, and environment and all those things. So you're, I, I think it can, it can prosper. Brigham Young's excellent basketball. Cincinnati, excellent basketball. Houston is in the final four. And everybody can beat US, UCF. So everybody should be happy. <laughs> <laughs> So we have on uh, former BYU football players, and they BYU has former BYU football players in their development department, obviously. And so occasionally we talk to Chad Lewis, uh, the former Eagle, or uh, to Robbie Bosco, who quarterbacked their undefeated 1984 national title team. And Chad recently said, yeah, we, there's a lot of people who said, hey, get back to us if you ever get in a Power Five. Uh, we'll be interested. And he was laughing, saying, well, it's, it's time to get back to those people now because the price tag to compete in this league is going to be a lot higher. And you bring up the money, and while for the remaining eight, you know, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a cut in revenue coming. But for the new four, this, I assume this is going to be way more than they've ever gotten out of their TV deals. But I don't know if the number is going to be 15, 20, 25 million. You have any idea what ballpark the payout's going to be in and how much money they're going to have to work with? Because it is going to be expensive. What the best thing I can come up with is they've been paying 38 million in the last two or three years. It's been about 38 million per school. About 28 million of that is directly from the television contract. So the rest of it's bowl game, NCAA tournament, all that kind of stuff, which really shouldn't change. So we're talking about $28 million has sort of been the standard. And um, there was worry that it could be cut by more than 50%. Now there's some general optimism that it's not going to be quite that drastic. So... Uh, but it's not going to be way more than 50%. So I'm, I'm guessing we could be back in the, I don't know, 18 million range, something like that a year, um, which will be more than UCF, Houston, Cincinnati. I mean, that, you know, that's, that's, that's uh, dust to them. I, I don't know enough about Brigham Young's media contracts to know how big of a jump that's going to be for the, for the Cougars, but, Eighteen million is sort of what we're looking at, and um, the Big Twelve knows. You know, everybody's a little bit trepidatious um, if you're not in the SEC or the Big Ten because the, the media landscape is changing so much. Streaming is going to become the, the big deal um, as, as more and more people get rid of cable. Uh, so it's it's 
it's a brave new world. I think that's the great thing about Brigham Young is, you know, Brigham Young, you don't, you're not really getting a market. I mean, Salt Lake's a great market, but that's not really what you're getting. You're getting the BYU fan base. And that's what's becoming important. Forget the market. You know, Memphis is a major league city. Um, you know, who cares? Nobody cares about Memphis football. They don't. So the market doesn't matter. What matters is how many people care about your football team. And people like Central Florida, which is a huge, I don't know if you guys have studied, they got 71,000 yeah. students at Central Florida. I saw a great stat the other day. UCF has more living alumni in greater Orlando, just in the metropolitan area of Orlando, than TCU has anywhere in the world. So this is a sort of a sleeping giant in terms of of enrollment and fan base. And, and they've done a nice job building it, but it could explode. Brigham Young, we've talked about, everybody knows it's a worldwide brand. Um, we'll see about Cincinnati. Houston is sort of a non-starter there. People, I don't know that people anywhere care about Houston football, but potentially that could that could really rise. And what the Big 12's got to do is it its own people have to, build up their brand. You know, Oklahoma State's done a nice job with that. Um, but people who are eating pretty good, Iowa State, Kansas State, just don't really rock the boat much. And they're going to have to. Their their fan base is going to have to respond and, and get into the streaming. And when that happens, you know, the revenue is going to increase. But I don't know that we'll ever be back to the glory days of, of what people have been experiencing the last 10, 15, 20 years. So as part of uh, find, trying to find out what was going on with BYU uh, going to the Big 12, which we were all over, obviously, I had heard that the Big 12 was interested in beyond those four schools and it w- and could possibly add two, and it wasn't necessarily limiting itself to a group of five programs that they were interested in and had had conversations, might still be having, I haven't checked in a while, with potential Power 5 teams as far as coming in. Have you heard any of that? Oh, there's been talk about that, but... Um, you know, the evergreen candidates were Arizona and Arizona State because of their disgust with the big with the Pac-12. I've also heard that that's way overblown and that they would never want to leave the you know the California schools and the California connection. Um, I I think the uh, I think the idea of anybody from a power five jump into the Big 12 is pretty far down the road. The Big 12 is going to have to prove that it is not just sustainable, but also a place where somebody could thrive. Um, I don't know who else, you know, who else the Big 12 would want. Um, you guys would know more about it out west from the, from the, from the other side, the ACC, you know, a, a Clemson and Florida State are probably long-term targets for the SEC. That's you know that's the two prime brands of the of the ACC. So I'd be stunned if any of that anything like that happened in the next five years. But you know, if this league can 
sort of uh, get on its footing and do what I certainly think it can do. You know, the one thing I think is great about this new look Big 12 is three or four times I've sat down and tried to rank the football prognosis for the league. And if you've got 10 people, pretty smart people, people who follow it, people who would have a general idea, you could get 10 vastly different answers. Um, so to me, the, the uh, sort of the, mis- the mystery, the unknown, the, the volatility, the, the parody is just going to be fantastic. We haven't had that in the Big 12. Oklahoma's won six straight Big 12 championships. Certainly looks like capable of winning another. So this this sort of unknown is it little it harkens back. You know what it does? It harkens back to the old Pac-12, or maybe it's Pac-10. It was before Utah came in. They're in the nineties and early two thousands. Out in the pack, nobody ever knew who was going to win the dang league. And if you look at where college football is today, we know who's going to win the league. If Ohio State doesn't win the Big Ten, it's a you know, what happened? If Clemson doesn't win the ACC, if Oklahoma doesn't win the, win the uh, Big 12, if Alabama doesn't win the SEC, it's sort of become stagnant. And I think the Big 12 is going to offer a breath of fresh air because I mean, just take the, take the newcomers, BYU, Cincinnati, and, and Central Florida. I don't know who's over the next five years going to be the best program out of those three. Could be any of them. They've all got these really interesting track records and great strengths and all kinds of potential. And then you add in Oklahoma State and TCU and, and Iowa State and Kansas State, teams that have done stuff. To me, it's, it's going to be fascinating and fun. So if they, can, if they can get going with that and create some interest and build back that brand, I think they would be attractive to somebody in the Pac-12 or the ACC that might say, you know what, this isn't, this isn't going great for us, but you got to prove it, and they haven't, they haven't proved it yet. With Oklahoma and Oklahoma State both undefeated, does the Thunder season opener just kind of slip under the radar, the whole NBA for that matter right now? Yeah, and it's a blessing because our team stinks. Um, if we were talking Thunder a lot in this state, it would not be uh, it would not be pleasant. Um, you know, I remember that trip to Utah, that playoff series, where you know it seems like forty years ago, but it, I guess it's only three and a half years ago. But how far the Thunder has fallen in terms of competitive uh, ability? But it's it's rebuild. You know, Jazz fans sort of know what that's like. I don't know if they ever fell as far as the Thunder's about to fall. But yeah, it's it's uh, you know uh, today I told them I think we've reached the seventh stage of grief, which is acceptance, <laughs> and um, you know there was some denial for a while and anger and all those things, and now I just sort of accept it and hope it doesn't last too long. <laughs> Thunder needed lottery luck in the summer or May, whenever that whenever those dang ping pong balls came, didn't get it. Had a twenty five percent chance at two top five picks. Um, ended up with no top five picks, so that delays the that delays the rebuilding a little bit. 
But they do have two things going for them that, uh, in terms of rebuilding that most teams don't have. They've already got a star. Gilgis Alexander is a wonderful player. He's 23, and he's headed for superstardom. And they got all those draft picks, 19 in the next seven drafts, first round, 19 first-rounders. So they're going to be, you know, they're going to be loading up. If they can get a little bit of lottery luck, they can probably be pretty good again. But it's just going to take a while. And until then, they're going to go into places like Salt Lake and get their get their heads handed to them most nights. They just got a bunch of young players and trying to figure out besides Lou Dort and and SGA who's good. And that's what this whole season is about: trying to figure out who can play besides those two guys. They know those two guys can play. Everybody else, don't know. Well, after the Stockton Millionaire, the Jazz had a 26-win season, but they only missed the playoffs three years. They were back in it. And after Boozer and D. Will, they had a 25-win season, and they missed the playoffs five times in six years in a run there, but then they got it going again. So maybe the Thunder can follow that kind of path and be back. Well, that's what, that's what they want. They, you know, the, the Thunder looks at a couple of franchises and as you know, sort of a the the models to to emulate and the, the jazz is one of those and you know and Utah's done it even missing some on the draft I mean Ennis Cantor is everybody's favorite you know Kirk I love Ennis Cantor he's a he, he's an international uh, humanitarian but he's sort of a bust at number three yep Dante Exum turned out to not be a you know that great of a draft pick so the the Jazz have done okay, uh, even when they don't always hit on the draft. And so, you know, the, the Utah gives gives the Thunder some hope, no doubt about it. Yep. Well, Barry, we appreciate a little bit of time, and we hope to see you when you come out to Provo with the uh, Sooners, who are forced to travel in their final year. I like the way you think about scheduling; that was hilarious. <laughs> We're good. We're good. All Look right. forward to it. Thanks, Barry. Barry Trammell, sports columnist for the Oklahoma, NewsOK.com, been on our show dozens and dozens of times, and in studio once during that playoff run. That was a good time. He's a good guy. I disagree with him vehemently on one thing. What's that? We'll get to it. All right, that's next. (laughs) I can't wait for the vehemence, and I won't have to wait long. It's next, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. BYU hits the road to Pac-12 country as Kalani Sataki and the Cougars square off against Washington State in Pullman. Catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Join the big show Thursday at the warehouse from 2 to 7 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom, kaboom, boom, boom, kaboom. Giving away jazz tickets all day long, 35 minutes after every hour or about a half an hour away from the next pair of jazz tickets. Is that first winner pretty happy, Yach? Yes, quite elated, actually. I thought that might be the case. we got 10 pairs of tickets, 20 tickets, 10 pairs, given away every hour, 35 after the hour, until they're gone at 5.35. So be here at 9.35. Now, we just had Barry Trammell on, which we love because we can talk Ooh, NBA. We love. we love having him on. Yes. And he can talk Big 12. 
He can talk NBA, and the Jazz are playing Oklahoma City Thunder in the opener. He said something that you vehemently disagree with. Yeah, yeah. What is it? I missed it. I didn't. Sometimes I hear people say things, and I'm like, oh, that's going to trigger PK. Holy cow. I missed it, but that's probably just because uh, I love the dulcet tones of Barry Trammell. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Okay. Fine. I love having him on. Yeah. All right. So, what do he say? He said the Dante Exum pick was not good. No, it was great. Oh, I, yeah. You're right. I'm, I am with you on that. Because <laughs> they flipped it for Jordan Clarkson. Yes. I totally believe that about draft picks. You yeah. draft a guy and he doesn't work or he's hurt or he can't play or he doesn't fit in your system or whatever. People want to label him a bust. But if you trade him for a good player, right. then that was a good pick. Right. If it leads to a good player, I'm taking it. I would take that every time if I were the owner. Yeah, it depends on who else is on the board. For instance, there's this uh, guy named Nikola Jokic who was uh, taken 41. Interestingly, Clarkson was taken 46. I'm Obviously, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Clarkson didn't go until the second round. So all of you Jared Butler fans, <laughs> second round. <laughs> second round. Chad Ford loves Jared Butler. Gave him an A+, plus, <laughs> which surprised me. He loves him some jazz. <laughs> okay, pull the curtain back. How many years have you been telling me? And you're the one, you're, you're, somebody told you, I think. like A friend of his. Oh, it was a friend of his. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I want to say it was like 2007. It seems to me it was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Because I visualize when you tell me stuff like what studio we were in, right? Because uh-huh. we move buildings over time. That's the way radio works. And, and I want to say mm-hmm. it's, it was certainly more than a decade ago, maybe 15 years ago. Right, it still yeah. holds. And you texted me the <laughs> other day, and I laughed when I saw it. <laughs> they gave out but in this uh, case, in this case, off the preseason or the. It, um, yeah, preseason grades. Right. It was, it was just yeah. how did draft picks look in a preseason? He gave Jared Butler and the Jazz an A+. Butler looked really good, and he he's is. a second-round pick, so I don't know what else you'd give him. But it's Chad Ford, and whatever the grade is, it's always at the highest end of what is possible. <laughs> he's a Jazz fan. There you go. Uh, yeah, so that was an excellent usage of a draft slot. On, on the surface, drafting Dante Exum in and of itself was yeah. not good. Yeah, I had that talk with uh, Payson Thurl once when we were killing time on a, on a pregame show, and Eric Lechner, somebody said Eric Lechner couldn't play, and I'm like, doesn't matter. They flipped him for Jeff Malone, and they flipped Jeff Malone for Jeff Hornacek. Great pick. Now, when you have to buy somebody out, who was it they bought out in the mid-'90s? Speaking of the like Jazz, Glenn the Jazz. Rice, you're talking about? No, the Jazz. No, they they drafted somebody, Luther Wright, Luther oh, Wright, oh, and oh, nothing oh. nothing good came of that pick. They had they had to buy him out. He couldn't play. It didn't work. You know, sure. So that that's a bad pick. But if you draft Lechner and he doesn't work, but you flip him for Malone and you go to a conference final and you flip him for Hornacek and go to two NBA finals, I'm thinking that worked out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Now you're right. There could be somebody still on the board who ended up being an MVP. So that sucks that you missed on them. But it could still be a good pick, even if it isn't the best pick. Well, the good thing is that every single team missed on Jokic because he went in the second round. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. 29 minutes to free jazz tickets. 29 minutes away right here on The Zone. Stay with us.